Does this make you sad? <laughs> what a way to start the freaking stream. Where am I? Hello. <laughs> Come on in, everybody. Come in. Let's do a live stream. We haven't done a live stream in a little bit, like a week. Tesla, Wednesday, October 12th, 11.02 a.m. Where are you from? Drop it in the comment section below. Let me know if you can hear me and see me okay. I hope my microphone's coming through. Welcome in, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. Make yourself at home. <sighs> it's okay. It's fine. Life goes on. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. I have a banana in my hand, FYI. <laughs> Listen, we'll keep it loose. Come on in. Let's talk about Tesla, Elon, the markets. Am I, am I focused right now, guys? Let me see. I think that's better. There we go. There we go. I think that's better. What do you think? I think that's better. Come on in. Canada. Where else? Iowa. Nice. Uh, if you follow college football, Iowa is uh, struggling a little bit on offense. <laughs> but their defense is really good, as per usual. Finland. Come on in, everybody. Scotland. Columbus, Ohio. Romania. Indianapolis. We have a lot of... I just love these live streams because we truly have so many different folks from different areas. Um, we got Israel, Belgium, Wisconsin, London, Toronto, Hong Kong, Cleveland, Germany, Berlin. Look at this. Canada, Alberta, Bethlehem. Heck yeah. Represent 610-484. Detroit, Germany, Israel. Welcome in everybody. All right. So we'll keep these uh, very, very loose. I don't really have an agenda. I think what I like to do is sort of t cover some of the topics that have come up uh, in the Tesla community here as of late. Uh, and we, you know, we can discuss, uh, we can discuss them. We can, you know, throw out any questions or comments you have, and, and I'll bring them up and I'll use them as sort of a, a talking points and see what we can come up with. Maybe there's something going on that in the community that we can talk about and see how it's going to develop over time. I know one of the big topics that has been coming up as of late is uh, stock buybacks. So that's one thing maybe we'll kick off with and then take it from there. We still got people coming in. Welcome, welcome. We got Italy, Belgium, Denmark, Amsterdam, Seattle, California. Look at this, man. You got people from Austin, I think. <laughs> New Hampshire, Salt Lake, Yorkshire, Atlanta. Awesome. Thank you all so much for spending uh, some time with me this morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you're from. Nashville. They have a Tennessee's got a big game in college football this weekend, actually. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see if they can beat Alabama. FEMA disaster response, Orlando, Florida. Thanks for everything you do, my friend. We've got Iowa. Yeah, great. All right. So let's do, um, let's do a little bit of a, of a, uh, topic discussion on stock buybacks. We'll kick it off with that and then we'll take it from there. If you have any questions, if you, you have anything you'd like to talk about, drop them in the comment section below and we'll and we'll hit them up. So <laughs> as I'm holding a piece of banana, trying to find a, a good time to stick it in my mouth. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Dave Lee just dropped a good vid, not in favor of stock buyback at the moment. Yeah. So I actually just watched this before I, I hopped on not too long ago. And uh, yeah, he, he uh, covered some good points. He did. So just to um, definitely go check out his video, let's plug Dave Lee real quick, because I was actually just on Dave Lee's channel two days ago, yesterday, I think on Monday, was it Monday? I can't remember exactly when it was. That's how much my freaking days blur, bro, nowadays. So 
let me go ahead and mute our friend here so my uh, ears don't bleed not because uh of dave it's because i have these headphones really loud right now so here's uh dave talking about the um st stock buyback definitely go check him out should tesla do a stock buyback now those who don't follow dave lee make sure you go follow him he does great work uh really really good work so essentially the thought process here is that there's been a lot of discussion in the tesla community where folks are very in favor of tesla doing a stock stock buyback and mainly because around mainly because of their cash position so right now they have close to 20 billion dollars in in cash they have very very little debt they have cash flows coming in more, more than likely very large cash flows coming in the lat in the next few quarters uh ev demand seems to be extremely strong so there's been a, a pretty um substantial amount of folks that have come out and say hey we should we should make this happen we should make this happen and honestly for me it's like if they if they make it happen great uh if they don't make it happen this year that's okay too and so uh after watching dave's video definitely go check it out but some of the summarized thoughts is that um dave thinks that it's probably best to wait until the world is more stable and tesla is in a better position to quote-unquote survive some potential chaos so for me the way i think about it is I don't really necessarily care when they do it because my 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 horizon is really long term for the company and how I'm invested in it. But what's interesting about Tesla doing a buyback is I view it more as a signal. So if Tesla does decide to say do a signal or a buyback at say Q3 for some reason, Q3 earnings next week. They decide to come out now that they have investment grade from S&P, which the timing there is kind of interesting. I can talk about that more if if you'd like. Um they could decide and say, you know what, we're going to do a, a, a buyback. We'll uh, use our investment grade to raise some cash, to, to to essentially raise some debt. And we'll use that debt to fund a, a stock buyback because we feel that the company is in, is well enough positioned to survive, say, the next few quarters. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing to do for investors and to reduce the float. You know, less stocks, less number of shares outstanding means each of us holds a little bit bigger piece of the company. And so for me, it's if Tesla decides to do that at any point, the signal for me is that we have a company that's become really good at understanding macro movements. The leader seems to be in Elon. He thinks he seems to have a very good feel on how the at least let's say from a supply chain perspective, he kind of sees where things are going. And so if Tesla decides, boom, stock buyback, that means that the company and the world at large, more than likely, is stabilizing. Or it's in a good place where they feel that raising debt or whatever, or using their own cash to do a stock buyback makes sense. So that's my signal, is that the broader world and the company especially is in a good place. It's in a good standing. So um that's how i view the stock buyback if it happens this year that's awesome i'm, I'm not going to complain if i'm if i'm a shareholder and i own a larger piece of the company i don't have to do anything why would especially a company like tesla that's really projected to do extremely well here in the coming quarters why why would i be upset about that i'm not at all you know but i view that as a as a signal more than anything so let me know what you guys think what do you guys think about the the stock buyback uh, I'll go read some comments. If you have any questions or if you like like me to cover anything, please drop them in the description below. We'll keep this very loose. Like I said before, we'll just hang out. Um, Zachary, I'm excited to see what the margins are in earnings. We'll be able to get an idea of how much they can flex prices if they need to. I agree. 
I think that that's going to be uh, Matt and Emmett from Good Soil. If you don't ch- ch- uh, you know, follow them, make sure you go check them out. I'll, I'll pull up their uh, their channel here so you can see. They did a great rundown yesterday of Matt's uh, model of what he thinks Q3 is going to be. And I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> it's going to be good, potentially, if, if Matt is right. Uh, right here, Good Soil Investment Management. Make sure you go check them out. They do great work, man. Very, um, and they don't shy away from important topics, FYI. So shout out, Emmett. Those who were in the stream yesterday, I think, know what I'm talking about. I'm going to take a bite. I'm going to take two seconds. Ready? All right. Next question. Do you think Elon will announce the new Gigafactory location at Q3 earnings call? Um... I don't know if he'll do it at the earnings call. I think what's interesting is that <clears throat> the company has come out and said that they're, I think it was what, a couple quarters ago? Or was it an investor day? I can't recall exactly when, but they came out and said they'll more they will more than likely announce a new Gigafactory location by the end of this year. So I'm assuming assuming that's that's still going to happen, right? Uh from my perspective. So let me know what you guys think about that. I don't think Q3, I don't think Q3 earnings call. Maybe it will be like its own separate announcement. Or it could be, who knows? It could be, it could be. I mean, because you think about what is the other time they'll do an announcement. You know, I think Q3 is really the only place where they're going to be able to do that from the sounds of it. Uh, somebody's saying your voice gets gets cut ever so slightly. Please do let me know if that's the case. Um, if you're having that issue, if you're hearing that issue, uh, if you are, let me know and I can try to, fix it on my end if if my sound is good uh then maybe it's on your on your right my friend um do you think matt underestimated a forex ex- uh charge um so fx stands for foreign exchange and uh, it's basically you know when you change currencies from one to the other um i don't know I, i'm not well versed on that side of the world so i would defer to matt from that perspective I can hear you. Audio is good. Sounds good to me. It's fine. Okay, so maybe maybe it's on your side. Uh, whoever said my voice is cutting out uh, from time to time. Given the macro situation, why semi now? I think there is a weakness in the consumer market. Semi will help balance that and keep profits rising. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily tied to the macro situation or a lack of demand. I think it's it's more reflective of... Tesla being able to increase their supply of batteries and other things to do what they're supposed to be doing, which is releasing the semi, releasing the roadster, ramping up energy. It gets lost sometimes that Tesla is not just a car company, especially from the plans that they've outlined. They have a lot of different things that they're trying to do, but it requires a gigantic amount of batteries to make that happen. So, um, yeah, I think the semi is just more a reflection of the fact that they've achieved the scale needed from a supply perspective to get it versus a response to demand. Let me know if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Oh, I saw, I saw off topic, Tom uh, Delange. I forget uh, how to pronounce it. Return to Blink-182 Opinions. I saw that they did a little announcement video on YouTube. On YouTube. That was fun. Um, audio is clipping. I, it looks like another person said that again. Do let me know. Do let me know if that's the case. That's weird, eh? Some people are having the issues. Some people aren't. That's uh, that's strange. Maybe YouTube is having some issues. Come on, YouTube. What the heck? Um, 
what is your EPS for Q3? And do you think Wall Street will be surprised by EPS number Tesla posts on the 19th? Uh, will that be good news we need? I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think about the quarter to quarter implications from an EPS standpoint. I'm more from the standpoint of is Tesla achieving the ramp that's needed to get to 20 million by 2030 is how I think about it. However, if you watched Matt and Emmett's stream yesterday, and I agree with their sentiment is that Wall Street seems to be significantly under the potential of what the uh, EPS estimates could be. I think the whisper number is $1.09, if I remember correctly. And I think the uh, Wall Street estimates are like $1.03. And I believe Matt was like upwards of 120 or 130 dollar $20, maybe above that. So, um, and typically Wall Street has come, there was a graph that they showed too, where Wall Street was consistently coming under what Tesla has been reporting special in the last few quarters. So the trend says that Tesla will more than likely beat on EPS, but who's to say that that will happen again this quarter. So there is a, there is a chance, I think, for um, I don't know. I think that there is a chance for I don't know, man. I don't think there's a chance for them to be under, to be honest, because so much, so much of the market is negative right now. <laughs> Usually, when a lot of the market's negative, not investment advice at all. Do not listen to me for any investment advice. But one of the things I've observed is the largest beats come from times when everyone is like, this sucks, right? Because no one is really thinking about, oh, this is going to be great. So take that as it is, which is nothing. So um, yeah, I'm not trolling 20 years in videography. Uh, I'm sensitive to sound. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I will listen back to it after the stream and see what the issue is. It might be, I don't know, I'm looking at my... Um, at my settings right now, and I don't really see anything that uh, is telling me that there's an issue. So maybe, um, you know, maybe I'm not looking at it correctly. So uh, maybe do I have my? Uh, is this on? Oh, these things aren't on right now. Okay, let me know if that helps. I just realized that some of my settings were off. <laughs> let me know if that helps. That could be the that could be the fix that that you need. Did you see GM is getting into energy game? I did. I, that was weird. It seems like they're just copying. Um, they're just copying um, GM. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me. Or a, a Tesla, rather. It's like, oh, well, Elon and Tesla are doing it. We should do it, too. You know? Uh, it's it's inter interesting. It's an interesting thing uh, that, I'm, uh, that I've observed. Amit. What's up, bro? You're the GOAT. If you don't know, Amit has a awesome startup called Audia.com. Let's plug him for a second because he did. He was so nice to come on the chat. Thank you, Amit. Let's give him a plug. And the reason why I'm plugging it is because I'm on there too. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> come on now. So Audia.com cool little website. It's basically like YouTube for podcasts. Think of it that way, where you can really search for stuff. Let me show you what it looks like. Four second plug, audia.com, audia.io, excuse me, audia.io. And uh, all my content is on there in audio format. So I moved away from RSS and I'm just doing everything 
with um, Audia from an audio perspective because I just think it's a better platform and uh, and it's been really awesome in facilitating the the uh, content to be there as well. So thank you very much, Amit and team for doing that. And the cool thing is, is that I'm on there. And if you want to listen to anything that's audio, all my videos should be on there for you to view and, and listen to. So thank you, Amit. Appreciate you very much for stopping in, my friend. You are the man. Yeah. Um, Farzad owns a Tesla's niche on the platform. Well, I mean, I like I like what you're doing, Amit. That's why that's why I, I joined up with you. I think you're doing a, a really cool thing there. So um, I encourage uh, everybody to ch go check it out for sure. Not sure if you had the chance to see the latest Monroe video, but uh, too long, didn't watch. It confirmed what I was thinking with no um, uh, USS, the uh, ultrasonic sensors. There's a blind spot in the front of the bumper. Is this an issue? I'm going to defer to the engineering experts at Tesla who who think that removing it doesn't matter so or that it's not an issue so I'm going to defer to them but I'm not I'm not an engineer so I'm not, I'm not I can't even answer that question unfortunately um let's see as a trucker I would love Tesla to become its own integrated logistics company not just its truck builder a way to become owner operator would be awesome trucks should be a tiny house I think what's interesting about that comment, and apologies for <laughs> eating banana in the middle, I'm like freaking starving. And I realized that I put the live stream for the wrong time. And I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna go live anyway. <laughs> so I do apologize. Otherwise, I'm gonna freaking collapse here. Um, yeah, I think the I think Tesla, what's interesting about the company is that they've essentially, they have so many different industries and markets from the perspective of object that can transport things an object that can hold things so semi car suv van so on and so forth that they're essentially building their own end-to-end -end platform for a use case that doesn't exist right now which one of those is that and it's similar to how amazon with aws you know you think about amazon started as a bookstore uh online bookstore and then it leveraged the warehouses where it was storing the books to store other things. And then they realized that they have so much demand for their product that they had to make essentially their own web services or servers to ensure that that then became a gigantic cost for them. That's how AWS was born. So the, the size of the company and, and, and the demand for their products and them approaching that the, the the way their strategy to ensure that their cost was as low as possible and they were able to get the product as far as possible to their consumers just lend itself to a brand new category that they didn't even think of when they first started the company. So something like that's being mentioned here in the comment by uh, Chandra, I, I apologize if I didn't pronounce your name correctly, is just like that. So if Tesla comes to a point where they have so much batteries, and they're making so many semis that it would be almost like <laughs> I hate to use this word, but idiotic for them not to use that for their own operations. They're going to, and then before you know it, they could have I don't know a hundred thousand semis in their fleet, and as and that that's working within the company. And before they know, it, they're like, you know what? We're making all these trips, and our trucks are traveling half empty. Why don't we start like a like a like some sort of business, you know, to try and essentially become a carrier for other people as well. You know, we're already going to these places and the trucks are half empty. Why not fill them up with other stuff and 
which can charge people for it. And so basically our stuff writes for free. Why wouldn't they do that, right? And I come from that world. So that would be a no-brainer step. And I believe Tesla will 100% do that probably in the next three to five years. They'll probably start doing something like this. And they'll probably, like, you know how you have Old Dominion and you have, you know, FedEx UPS, you have all these different truck lines, Black Horse, all, all these other companies. Um, Tesla might be a new provider. There might be a new uh, uh, logistics company that is born out of their strategy that they took to maximize their ability to make as many semis as humanly possible. Right? Fun. Great question. Great, great question. Uh, make sure to check out Can You Learn to Speak My Guy channel. Haha. <laughs> Shout out to Mitt and Tom. Have <laughs> a really funny uh, um, podcast. It actually gave me a really kind shout out last time. And that was that was very nice of you guys. Very, very sweet. Q3 will see a full, uh, full-throated impact of price increase while the cost of raw materials has begun to drop. That is an interesting point, Nick. And I've thought about that too, because I'm like, okay, so Tesla has increased the price like crazy this year. But there was a tweet from Elon where he signaled that he thinks the Fed should reduce rates because he's seeing uh, inflation dropping almost to deflation levels, I'm guessing, which means that the cost of how much Tesla is spending to build a car today is less than how much it costs them to build it six months ago. But when they deliver the car, they're not charging they're charging the price that they set six months ago to try and offset the cost that they were getting charged six months ago or that they think they were going to do now, right? So think about it this way. So say Tesla's here. They increased the price here because they thought their cost was that how much it cost them to build the car would be here. But instead, it's like here. <laughs> so this right here could be additional margin that's not being recognized. I have no idea if that's going to flow into Q3. I have no idea if if the price that they set right now was with this sort of price action in mind. But if they come out and say, guys, we're building these cars a 40% margin, then you know what happened. It, it was exactly that. They were trying to be ultra conservative on the price side. They're like, you know what? We're going to get our price up for the cars to, uh, to, to the levels they're at now. Model-wise, like 65000 bucks, the lowest trim, I think, in the U.S., but it cost them 30,000 or 35,000. So that right there, that's a giant margin. So, but I don't know, I'm just speculating, but it's an interesting point. And I'm, I am curious to see how folks are, are uh, baking that into their models. It's very, very interesting. Will FSD revenue get recognized in Q3? I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. Matt Smith from Good Soul thinks it will be recognized in Q4, I believe. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how Tesla sort of approaches that accounting. You would think that if they increase the number of folks that uh, have access to the software, that they would do that. But you know, there's I think there's different things going on that would cause them to decide. Do you think it's still possible for Tesla to swing, say, ten percent a day, or are we too mature as a company for now? I mean, you know, th that's a massive speculation, and I, I tend not to focus too much on short term. But uh, the way I think about that is, if the company is very mispriced versus their results, 
You know, it's it's expectation versus reality. If the expectation of the market for Tesla is incorrect and the market suddenly realizes that it's incorrect, there could be some drastic repricing that happens, especially if there is a, a lot of short positions against the company because then those shorts will be forced to cover. I've seen, I mean, I've seen mega cap companies like Apple's and, and another have 10% days. They're rare, but the larger a company gets, typically what history has shown is that it's harder for a company to have these great, like super big moves. Um, but in a world where the market could theoretically be mispricing Tesla, it could very well have a, a, a swing like that. I don't know if and when or if it's even possible that could happen, but I'm trying to think about okay, what what has happened lately, you know? And I believe I believe that Tesla right now, not financial advice. My goodness, like I have to keep saying it, and I'm long term focused. But if I'm looking at the short term movements, it does appear like. The market is heavily um, has heavily reduced Tesla's price to earnings ratio based on the current landscape in the market, and they're saying, "Okay, Tesla, this is your fair price, even if based on what we expect you to do." But if Tesla comes out in the next two quarters and says, "You know what? Here's here's the deal: we're making a lot of money. There's no demand issue. Every other automaker is losing sales. We're gaining sales." Every automaker's margins is going down. Ours is going up. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we have this full self-driving technology that's coming to completion. Oh, and by the way, we're building this human and robot. Oh, and by the way, we have semis being launched. Oh, and by the way, our energy side is ramping. You tell me, okay? That's what I got to say. <laughs> Not financial advice. I'll take another bite. Hmm. Thanks again for the financial advice. Digital, I tell ya. I tell ya. EC, question. Don't get the China worries. Appears they sold the same and have more for export, which makes sense because they are producing a lot more cars. Who cares if the cars are sold now or in Q4? That's what the uh, sort of sentiment is uh, amongst people that believe that the demand is not an issue, and I agree with you. I think global demand of the vehicles is on an all-time high. And Tesla has the ability to shift that production around to match that demand. I think the China demand stuff is probably a little overblown and understandably so because the world is in a little bit of a chaos right now. There's a lot of fear. That's what happens in a time of fear. However, I think Tesla has the opportunity, especially in the next two quarters, to really quell those fears. And I don't think, I don't think the market will really take them, you know, seriously in this respect unless they see it multiple times. Because the more chaotic and more uncertain the world becomes, the more proof you need to show. I think that counters that embedded fear and that, like, oh my god, like everything's going to crap. Like, what's going to happen? Tesla's going to go. You know, they're going to have so much such a hard problem selling cars. However, I think about it this way, not financial advice. I have to keep saying that. I don't know why. I'm just going to stop saying it. Okay. How many cars are in the world right now? How many gas cars are in the world right now? 1.4 billion. There's 1.4 billion vehicles in the world right now that are gas powered. How many electric vehicles have been sold total? Like 40 million total? What's 40 divided by one? 
1.4 billion. 40 divided by 1,400. 3% of the global fleet is electric. That means that 97% of the rest of the fleet is gas powered. Even in a time of a recession, I would think that the 97% market is available for any automaker. So even if that 47% market, all of a sudden the demand that correlates to that 97% market got, drops by half, that's still, <laughs> what, uh, an order of magnitude more demand for, uh, an order of magnitude more, um, more market that's available for these electric companies to go into versus what they've already sold, right? So for me, in a recessionary environment or an environment where they have demand issues uh, or perceived demand issues, you have to think about it from a global perspective. So yeah, I don't know. I agree. I agree with the fact that it's not really an issue, but I understand the fears and the concerns, and I understand why people would want to see that they're proven wrong, especially when there's, I mean, there's fear. It's okay. That's, that's a healthy thing to feel during this time. And it's just, as an investor, I believe you just have to take those into account and try to think as rationally as possible while removing the emotion. And the best way to remove the emotion, in my opinion, again, I keep saying it, but I, I'll stop. The, you have to try your best, I believe, to remove the investment that you've made. Uh, you have to remove that investment's capability to affect your psyche and to affect your emotions. And so the riskier you are in that investment, the more likely it is to impact your emotions and the more likely it is to impact your your psyche. And so the, the question becomes, are you right-sizing your investment to your psyche? And are you right-sizing your investment to your ability to be unemotional during times of pain? And this is, I think, a perfect learning lesson for all of us. Let me use myself as an example. About 2014, 2015, so roughly, what, eight, nine years ago, eight, seven years ago, I was invested in Tesla, and but I was heavy into margin, 2016, even 2017. I was heavy into margin. And there were times where, you know, I, I was very confident that, you know what, oh my God, thank God, people are going to realize the Model 3 is finally coming and there's going to be a mass market car. It's going to go up to, you know, $150 billion market cap. It's going to do great. I'm like, margin, margin, margin. And then I, there were some days where I almost got wiped out of my position. I had to like make some stuff happen to ensure that wasn't the case. I had to add more cash to my thing. But I realized during those moments, my learning lesson was, was like, okay, so if I, if I outsize my risk versus how it impacts my psyche and my emotions, I'm doing myself a disservice because it's clouding my judgment. Even though the, the long-term investment turned out to be correct, my, the amount of risk I put myself in in that time removed my ability, removed part of my ability to have a clear mind for the long-term potential of the company, right? And so that what that taught me, and I'm not saying you guys do this, but what that taught me is that I do not do well in margin. I just do not do well in margin because I know my limitations when it comes to <laughs> risk aver aversion. And I am relatively risky person when it comes to making investments, but I'm not so risky as to trying to time the market. And essentially when you're a margin, in my opinion, I think that is a sort of a, a, lever, a lever that people pull 
to try to time the market because you're essentially saying I'm going to borrow money because I feel like this is going to go big in the short term and I'm going to use that money to make money more money than I would have because I'm confident on the timing. So me not being out of margin and just being 100% uh, in, in shares is my way to de-risk my mental so that when we have situations like these in the last freaking year, it feels like, where everything kind of sucks, <laughs> with especially with Tesla stuck and everything that's going on around the world, even if I'm seeing my, my, my holdings go down in half, I'm not seeing it go down by 100% because I'm not in margin. And that would a hundred that would basically wipe out my entire position. So I'm de-risking myself. So it doesn't force me to do anything. How did I achieve that? I have cash flows coming in from other things, right? I, I've built things around myself that allow me to hold these things long term. And that might be helpful for some hearing this message. I think especially during this time. And you know, take it as you will, take it with a grain of salt. But I really do believe that ensuring that you build your investments in a way that it doesn't impact your psyche and your mental is extremely important to survive moments like these. Because the last thing you want to do in a down market is to feel uh, fearful and like scared, because that is usually the best time to invest <laughs> is you find these uh, diamonds in the rough, where in a wasteland, and if you have a clear mind, you're like, you know what, I am willing to take the risk of these things because I'm, I'm clear headed and I can understand the long term implications of these. And one thing that doesn't get talked about enough, I think, is that investing is so emotional. Investing takes a lot more mental than just numbers. You can sit down all day long and draft the, be the best models, draft the best freaking um, thing that's going to describe how a company is, can do. I do this on my channel all the time. I'm the moron that's on my Excel spreadsheet saying, look at how good it's going to be in 20 years. But it's long term, <laughs> right? Um, it's an exercise. But ultimately, if you mentally are not capable of seeing things clearly in a time of quote unquote darkness, then you're not able to capitalize on opportunity. And I'm a big believer in capitalizing and maximizing your chances on capitalizing on opportunities, because that's how you can build a future. You know, you have to capitalize on opportunities. Anyway, that's my soapbox. Was it helpful? Let me know. Oh, V, thank you so much. $10 super chat. I really appreciate you. Why doesn't Tesla pass on some of its great margin to the customer with lower prices, i.e. use its margins as leverage to pass on savings to consumers, to customers? That's a great question. I think that will happen. I think it really becomes a, um, a function of demand. So if, if, for example, if Tesla has 40% margins, which would be freaking crazy, but let's use that as, as an example. If Tesla has 40% margins, but they still have, say, a backlog that allows them to sell every car they produce, if they pass on the savings to the customer, quote unquote, which it would be, but it would be like they pass on the, the margin as savings to the customer. That All that does is increase the wait time, which makes customers unhappy. And so it becomes, a, it comes, it becomes an equation of like making your customer as happy as possible where they don't have to wait. And then having that price match what customers are willing to accept from a wait perspective. But if you're already in a situation where you're production constrained and you can sell every car you have, Lowering the price does nothing except making more 
customers unhappy because they got to wait, right? So it's a supply and demand equation. And the fact that Tesla has such high margins doesn't really say that they're keeping too much money for themselves. It means that they've built such a efficient company in relation to what the market expects from a product perspective that they essentially get to keep this margin because if they pass it on, it just it does nothing but cause trouble. It's like literally the best, the best, best case scenario for a company. You've made such a good product that has so much demand at the right time in the right markets that even if you were to pass on the price, the, the price savings to these customers, they can't even get it. <laughs> They'll have to wait forever. You know, imagine, imagine if uh, Tesla decides they're at what thirty two percent margin probably in Q three. If I were to guess, imagine they take it down to twenty five percent. That would be a uh, uh, what is that? A seven basis point, a seven hundred basis point change on the revenue line. So if the average price of the car is um, fifty five thousand bucks, and they back out, uh, say they pass on seven percent margin to the customer, uh, and they cut down from thirty two to um, twenty five, they would pass on about almost five thousand bucks in savings to the customer. It just from the top line, that's going to generate a ton of demand. Every five thousand uh, dollars, I think at that level is something like an additional twenty percent. I don't even know what the math is, but they get a lot more, a lot more customers. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to help the situation. So we'll see. We'll see. I hope that was helpful, V. Thank you for your comment. Thank you for the super chat. Appreciate you very much. Investing is definitely a mental game. You need to have a strong mind. Reduce emotions. Ignore daily fluctuations and focus on long term. Yeah. If you are a long-term investment an investor, there are people. I have a really good friend of mine who focuses more on the short term and is a very big like macro sort of trader. And um, you know that's fine too. But it just becomes what what is the risk you're willing to accept? What is the mental capacity that you're willing to give to these things to reach your goal? And if you're if you're okay with pain, day trade. I don't know. <laughs> if you're not okay with with pain, I would strongly urge you to move away from day trading, move away from margin and just focus on focus on the long term and reduce that investment's ability to impact you mentally and just focus on making yourself better, making your family better, making your friends better because ultimately those are the things that are going to be there long term. None of this shit matters long term. It really doesn't. What matters is who you're around, how happy you are, and if you're doing the things that you love. That's really what it comes down to in my opinion. I'm down uh, mid seven figures from an eight figure high, which I hit a few times between November and April. So damn stressful. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's an example of are you willing to stress yourself out for additional gains, right? I mean, you know, you know how to handle your money way better than I do. So, um, but it's a, it's a, uh, it's a good point. How do we know Farzad's not a robot? What does that t-shirt say? It says, uh, future Martian uh, society. It's uh, actually merch from Everyday Astronaut. Here, I'll prove it to you right now. I'm going to eat the last of my banana. Can robots eat bananas? Ugh. Malfunctioning. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. I have the worst jokes. Thank you. <laughs> Feltrain, longtime supporter. How you doing, my friend? I bought my house during the 2008 crash. I bought my Tesla during all the crashes since about 2018. So that's somebody um, capitalizing on 
the market being down. Uh, maybe it's personal, but what are your income sources? Sorry if I'm crossing the line. How dare you? How dare you? That's fine. It's completely fine. Um, I mean, right now, so what we have is basically real estate. My wife's a photographer. This YouTube thing makes a little bit, you know, it's it's not technically needed, but it does make a certain amount of income. And um, that's, I mean, that's basically it. I mean, we do like odd things here and there, but it's like, it's very small. So right now it's just basic real estate, my wife's gig, and then um, this YouTube gig is a little bit, but it's mostly real estate. Um, how dare you? Thank you, uh, Jay Lizard, for the super sticker, $2. It's going to go towards my uh, my um, beer fund for when uh, people start showing up. So I built out, I had to move. I don't know if you guys that follow the channel, the background's very different than usual. I was in another room in, in, in our location, and it was so cramped because I, I wanted to start doing in-person interviews. And I was like, this is not going to work. So I had to move to a different space. We have a theater room here. So <laughs> this is the theater room that has been turned into my studio. And there's so much, so much more room. I'm wearing shorts. And there's a projector here. There's a lot more room. And so once I get my table in for this area, I'm going to set it up for in-person interviews finally. And then we'll be able to do some in-person chats. I think it's going to be super fun. It's going to be great. For sure. Christopher, thank you very much. $5 super chat. Appreciate you. What is the production ceiling for Fremont? How many more gigafactories would we need to hit 10 million a year by 2030? What do you think are the top locations? Yeah, so I think Fremont, Tesla has come out and said it's somewhere between 700 and 800,000, I believe, at least at current state and how they're thinking about it. 10 million per year by 2030. So Tesla came out and said that their long-term goal, each gigafactory will produce somewhere between one to 2 million cars per year. And so 10 million, you'll probably need somewhere between, um, I don't know, five to seven gigafactories, call it. So we need uh, probably, so how many do we have now? Four? We probably need like on the safe side, four, four more, and we'll definitely get to 10 million. And then maybe another, um, five to get to 20 million as you ramp up the existing factories to 2 million or whatever, you know, you, you build out additional space for the 2 million. So, um, but I think Elon openly said, and, and they, they need probably another 10 gigafactors. So 14 total for 20 million divided by half seven for uh, 10 million. Thank you, Christopher, Chris, $5 super chat. Thank you very much. Did you see last tweet by uh Kogan Leo? He is, is he now anti-share buyback? The last sentence do not sell bonds to buybacks makes it sound that way. Uh, it's actually, he's a great follow on Twitter because he like writes poems about Tesla stock. <laughs> he seems like such a, um, um, it's just a very interesting person. It's quite, quite interesting. Okay, here we go. Let's, let's read. Uh, so for those that don't know, Koguan, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to mispronounce his name. So, uh, I'm going to call them, uh, I, I guess Koguan, right? Um, sorry, <laughs> the journey of a thousand miles. Oh, let me, let me say who he is. He's the largest individual stockholder of Tesla. He has like a, a billions of dollars in Tesla stock. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step from free cash flow to buybacks to buy back 5 billion this year and 10 billion next year. And Tesla will increase its cash to 23 billion this year and to 33 billion next year from free cash flow to buybacks, a hundred billion in 2022 to 2026 and 1 trillion in 2026 to 2030 do not sell bonds to buybacks 
So what I, I think what he's saying here essentially is you're already making a ton of cash as a company in the future. Don't take out debt to fund that buyback. It's all about um, patience, right? So I think what, what uh, Koguan is saying here is that wait for the long term. Just raise the cash and buy it back. Don't borrow to do a buyback. Um, yeah, I mean, there's different schools of thoughts for it. I mean, some people are pro doing a bond because it's going to be basically very um, affordable for Tesla to do and it gets um, a benefit to the shareholders short term. But I could see that side too. It's like, hey, why just wait, <laughs> just wait a bit and just uh, do a buyback then. Have patience, I think is what, is what they're preaching. CP, thank you very much. $10 super chat. You guys are very generous. Thank you very much. Far as like, you seem like a very happy, well-adjusted person. Thank you. How have you achieved this? Any secrets? That's a great question. Thank you, CP. That's a very kind question. Um, I think for me, it, it comes in multiple ways, but I, I truly do feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. I've, I've been able to, um, have opportunities that some may not have. I pride myself in the fact that I've capitalized on those opportunities. So I think for me, it's maybe a sense of pride that, you know, that I feel like those opportunities I, I was very lucky to have, I capitalized on. Um, you know, I'm financially stable. I have a loving family. I have a loving wife. Uh, I have a great brother. Uh, I have great friends. I live in an awesome part of the world. There's just a lot of things to be thankful for. And I think for me, and it's, it's sort of tied to investing in a way. When I think about investing, my investing journey has been stressful because I've had to learn a lot of mistakes through the way, you know. But I, I've, I think what it really taught me is that you can you can make as much money as you want, but in the end, happiness doesn't come from making uh, earning money or making your bank account be as big as possible. It comes from really being honest about what makes you happy and then just going after those things, right? So that's what I've really tried to live, especially in the last year or two. And it helps to have a partner that helps you think through that. So my wife has been very in, like instrumental in getting me to feel happy, you know, and, and especially in times like, like lately, you know, back in the back there, you can see Tesla's down, what, 0.2% or whatever, and we're down God knows how much. Yeah, a lot of my net worth is tied to that. But in, in reality, that doesn't truly make me happy. It's the things that make me happy that make me happy, you know, playing my guitar, hanging out with my wife, eating good food, traveling, you know, the YouTube channel, it's super fun for me. So just, I just do things that make me happy. And the things that make me happy are not tied to money. So maybe in that sense, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, but, um, yeah, I, I, I uh, I hope that helps. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but thank you for, very much for the question. That's a, that's a very, that means a lot that you asked that question. Thank you very much. Do I have any children? No, no children. Not yet. Well, we have our grandfather staying with, uh, with us. Uh, he lives tomorrow, actually my, uh, wife's grandfather. He was on a ride along with us, my wife and my grandfather yesterday with full self-driving beta. It was actually a very fun drive. You should check it out to my channel. And um, yeah, he, uh, he's the best. I forget what I was going to say about him, but he's the best. He's, he's, he's the man. Um, what got you started in, in this Tesla YouTube channel? So back in the day, <laughs> as if I'm like, this is almost a year ago, but November of last year, I published my first YouTube video. So I was a Tesla for a little over four years. 
I, and I, I saw some, uh, I saw a video by Joe Justice back in the day before that. He was a Tesla for a little bit and he sort of was talking about his, his experience. And I had been there in the company for over four years. I've been an investor since 2012. I'm like, I feel like I have some unique insight into the company and maybe the investing journey in Tesla. I, I, I wonder if this is helpful for the community. So I put together like a 50 minute video, almost an hour long video. And I just kind of ran through all the things that I observed at Tesla, you know, obviously without breaking an NDA, I hope, <laughs> fingers crossed. But, and it seemed like it would just had a really positive response from the community. And the community was like, oh my God, like we want to hear more. We want to hear more. So I'm like, you know what? I'm a very, I'm in a very good spot in my life, financially stable. I have the time. I'm just going to do things that I enjoy. And it turns out having a YouTube channel is really freaking fun. So that's, that's how it started. And that's why I'm here. I uh, hope that helps. Thank you all very much for the uh, great questions, by the way. Bananas are so awesome. I agree. They're juju, by the way. Guitar is great. Plenty of free ways to learn and can spend hours and hours uh, on a relatively inexpensive guitar learning. Absolutely. Yeah, guitar. I love guitar so much. Do you think the stock would go up if Elon is eventually forced out a CEO like Zuckerberg and Meta? Uh, ooh, mm, no way. I think short term Elon leaving is does nothing but bad things to the stock. In my opinion, short term, because a lot of the long term uh, success of the company hinges on Elon being there and forcing the culture forward. So, yeah, I, I don't think at all. It, I, I think Elon being part of Tesla in any way, shape or form is is positive, not negative. I think people saying that Elon is somehow a negative to the is a net negative to Tesla and sort of how that company is performing, I think, are very incorrect. Very incorrect. Uh, that's my opinion. Yeah. Are you still buying Tesla? If I had enough cash, I would. <laughs> right now, our uh, like cash flow is sort of like even with how we want to live our life. So you know, and I have enough in Tesla. I'm not like, oh my god, I got I got to have more. Like I have everything I need. I'm very very happy. Uh, but if that cash flow exceeds what we want to use that money for, either for us or to give or whatever, then I'll, I'll definitely consider buying more. But right now, we're like, we're just we're good. We're chilling. We're, we're in a good spot and it's honestly it's less stressful that way for me right now to be honest less stuff to think about you know far as that i have an electric drum set and i love metallica we should call that that's awesome <laughs> my brother is actually a drummer and uh we we have a band and uh he's a drummer in the band so that's fun it's fun these freaking these freaking spam websites bro drk where you at you should be blocking these come on now <laughs> thank you uh, any thoughts on Tesla uh, using cameras on windshield for close proximity object detection right in front of the hood? There is a blind spot, as explained in recent Monroe Live topic of uh, um, the USS removal ultrasound sensor. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, this question was asked before earlier in the, in the live stream. I don't know. I, I'm not an engineer. This is not my area of expertise. But I think I think if Tesla decided to remove the sensor then I, I would assume they would have accounted for every single bit of safety concerns that they had. So my gut tells me that they, any quote unquote issues that are perceived from the removal are probably not issues. They're just, um, that's how Tesla's tackling them. If there's one thing Tesla does extremely well, better than anything else that it can do is safety. So um, I trust the company from that perspective. So, but who knows?
Maybe maybe they need to make a change, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, Donald, uh, Donald, thank you, man. I've seen you commenting on there. Uh, longtime listener. I appreciate you, man. Uh, that was an awesome video. Farzad and his wife and grandpa, about 45 minutes, but worth a watch. Uh, that narrow miss that FSD caught was cool. Yeah. Yeah. We were on a drive and this guy on the left almost freaking like almost T-boned me. It was weird. And we were just making a left turn from a traffic light and FSD reacted to it really, really well. So quite, um, quite interesting. Uh, Oliver Queen, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very generous. Uh, about your last video, what do you think uh, what approximate price can be for Tesla share in 2040 if they execute bot? Yeah, so the exercise that I did on the bot is I tried to formulate, like, I, I think I'm one of the very few people out there on the internet who's trying to model this thing out in detail long term. Of course, it's going to be wrong, but it, it helps me think about how the bot's going to get executed and what are the industries that could arise from that execution. Really, ultimately, that's why I do these exercises in the first place. Um, there's like three different scenarios I painted. Let me actually pull up the... Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go watch the video. There's a lot more detail there. Uh, but the, the market cap is outlined in that video. So I believe I said if there is... Uh, if they get to 66 million bots in the fleet by 2040, and they're making about 15 million bots per year, based on them selling it at about 20000 per bot and charging $99 per month per task that you hire the bot to do from an app perspective and say they do an average eight tasks per month. So that's almost 9000 bucks a year. Uh, it works out in 25% margin on the bot, 80% margin on the software. It works out to be roughly around an $8 trillion market cap addition to the company at 20 price earnings and the 25% tax hit, something like that. And then the more bots you sell, obviously, the more the higher that goes up, potentially. So um, but again, I that's what I think if they and, and you can sort of go in and watch that entire video. It, I kinda, it's like what half an hour over half an hour, I go really, really in detail. But towards the end, that's where I have the models. So, so definitely go check it out. Thank you very much for the question and the super chat, Oliver. Appreciate you. Um, Tuan, Elon is a brilliant person. However, he needs to tame down a bit. Then Tesla would be magnificent. Things that hurt Tesla regarding Elon. And then I'm guessing there's a list. <laughs> uh, I disagree. I think I think folks are way too used to individuals at those positions being really, um, I don't know, just robotic. I like when people are themselves, regardless of position. Because in the end, we're all humans, right? So doesn't bother me. I think I think I think if folks are bothered by it, it's because of those short term impact to the stock, which I completely understand. But if you have a long term horizon, that's the sort of person that allowed Tesla to get to where it is today. So with the long term thinking in mind, these short term, quote unquote, weird things that Elon's doing is like, so what? He's just a kind of a weird person sometimes. Um, yeah. Speaking of your, uh, oh, Dave, long-time listener. Thank you. Speaking of your FSD drive with your wife and grandpa, I loved how respectful and inclusive you were uh, with both of them. Your wonderful personality shines through quite bright. Oh, thank you, Dave. That's very sweet. <laughs> um, they're awesome. I mean, it's it's easy to be nice to good people. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but thank you. Uh, Marshall, question. Do you know if Fremont producing Model Y with front rear casting... Um, do you know if structural battery pack is made only with 4680 or 2170 batteries can be used? So I think um, 
Jordan from the Limiting Factor and Sandy Monroe, Monroe Live team probably can answer this question better, but I believe, I believe the structural battery pack can do both. And I believe Drew Baclino and Elon built that into the ramp in case there were, say, 4680 was not ramping as fast as it needed it to, they could leverage 2170 instead of 4680. So I believe it can do both. Uh, I believe it can do both. <laughs> Here we go. Dude, please don't do the goofy face clickbait video images. Your content is too good for that. Be above the YouTube algorithm. So hilariously enough, that face was, I was trying to like mentally be anti-clickbait because my face was so stupid on the on the thumbnail. And I'm like, these people are like, or like, you know, like doing the, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm just gonna look as ugly as I humanly can. You know, I talk about being vulnerable all the time. Why wouldn't I be vulnerable on the freaking click on the thumbnail? But this is like a perfect example. Thank you for the comment. But this is a perfect example is when you get to these, like, when you're more like a, a public facing person, someone is always going to be like, oh, that's not, I don't like that. Or I don't like that. And I appreciate the feedback, obviously, but it's such an interest, interesting observation that in my head, I'm like, I can do things that makes everybody happy, or I can uh, form things that everybody will like appreciate, but that's impossible. <laughs> so for me, I'm like, okay, you know what? As long as I have the right intention in my head and I'm doing it for the right reasons, then I'm just going to put it out there. And if folks are happy with it, great. If they're not, I'll listen to the feedback. But, you know, in this case, thank you. <laughs> but I disagree. But thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Question, besides Tesla, what other subjects, topics dominate your YouTube algo? Great question. Um, right now, sports. I watch a lot of college football. So a lot of college football. And then also a lot of uh, macro type stuff, like I'm in history. That's a lot of stuff that I'm trying to listen to as of late. Um, a lot of those things. So I'm trying to think. I'm going to go on my homepage and tell you exactly what's on my homepage. Let's see. YouTube. Uh... Freaking meet Kevin and that face, bro. He's all over my homepage. Shout out meet Kevin. He does good work. I like him. I really, I know he's controversial, but I, I think he's a net positive for sure. College football, Tesla, House of the Dragon content, um, some investment stuff, some music stuff. Yeah, that's usually what's on my YouTube. And then uh, also, I, I, I used to play a lot of Gran Turismo Seven and uh, some uh, gaming related stuff. And chess stuff too. I watch a lot of chess stuff. So, um, okay, let's do a couple more questions. Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll call it we'll call it uh, we'll call it there. Hopefully, I hope you enjoyed the stream so far. I'm trying to bring a little bit of sunshine to your probably what's going to be a somewhat bleak day because of what's happening with Tesla stock. So, I hope this was a uh, positive for you. Um, yeah, I agree. Me, Kevin always does the dumbest facial expressions, but yours are normally regular. Howard, today's was appropriate for the this is fine meme. Thank you. Uh, again, uh, me, Kevin just knows how he knows how to grow his business. I mean, honestly, I give him props for that. He knows he knows what he's doing, you know, and uh, some of his content is quite helpful. I find um, not all of it because, I, you know, I think I have different opinions sometimes, but, you know, I think he's in that positive. Me, Kevin is totally in that positive. And that's how I think people, I think if society started viewing things from a net perspective instead of black and white, it's more helpful because the world is super gray. And so net positive versus net negative is really what we should be talking about instead of like bad or good, in my opinion. I'm gonna stop preaching. 
Oliver, what did you make of GM getting into the energy space? Any news on the GM bot coming soon? Yeah, I, I actually answered this earlier in the stream. And uh, it just seems like they just want to copy whatever Tesla is doing because it works for Tesla. So it has to work for GM as well. Forget the execution. You don't have to. Guys, you just announced everybody in the chat right now. Go start your own energy company right now because it's obviously going to work. Obviously. Those are my thoughts. Haha. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do fuel prices and EV credits help Tesla at some point, or is this already baked in? Uh, well, the EV credits, the um, you're talking about the ZEV credits, they are already baked into the price. Uh, fuel prices going up theoretically means that demand for EVs goes up, but all the yeah, all these things should be well baked into the into the price of the. I think the market. I mean, this is this has been how EVs work from the very beginning. So or how they're perceived from the very beginning. So I would not be surprised any development in these things outside of the say the tax credit next year in the U.S. But it's probably going to bolster demand like crazy. Outside of that sort of thing, I don't think it's going to be much of a change. Um, me, Kevin is a good sport and quite bright. I agree. He's definitely a good sport. I met him in person too. He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. Dave, thank you so much for becoming a member. Appreciate you, brother. Long-time listener. You're the man. All right, one more. Breakfast pizza. Nothing better. Thoughts on the Hans Neiman and Magnus Carlsen situation? It has been a great distraction from the bear market. Yeah, uh, Magnus is convinced that he cheats. Hans has cheated in the past, but they're having a really tough time proving that he cheated over the board. So it's just drama. And it's great for chess in a way to bring attention from a cultural perspective. And the, I can tell you right now, the chess YouTubers are loving this right now because they're getting a lot of views. So um, shout out Magnus Carlsen, shout out Hans Neiman. <laughs> I'm like at 900, 950. I think my top rating was like 980 or something in chess.com. I'm not, I'm not the greatest. I'm like beginner intermediate ish. And I, I'm trying to get better, but I'm not, uh, you know, uh, people are quite, quite convinced that he cheated. Yeah. So digital says he cheated, period. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Crazy. All right. We'll do one more. We'll do one more. We'll do one more. Okay. We'll do this. Uh, bro, I'm stressing out. I've bought the dip a million times and I still drops. I got like a 10, 1066 shares now. Yeah. I mean, I talked about this briefly in the stream is you have to gauge your mentality, uh, your your willingness to take risks versus your psyche getting destroyed. And if you are getting too stressed from investing, then maybe you're outsizing too much. That's my opinion. So then you have to uh, sort of think to yourself, what's more important to me, being stressed or being clear-minded? That's how I think about it. Larry, thank you so much. $2 super sticker. Two euro super sticker. Let's get the currency right. Um, okay. Let's call it there, everybody. Thank you all so much. One hour. Mwah. Love you. Take care of yourself. Okay, so this sucks. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to disagree. Look at this. This sucks. Let's do one year chart. Oh, I'm clicking on the wrong screen. I know technology. That sucks. <laughs> no good. No good. However, However, what's most important? Health, happiness, right? Being happy, feeling feeling good, doing the things that you love, doing the things that you enjoy. 
if you love the stock market and you love investing, maybe ask yourself the question, how can I invest in a way that makes me happy in this market and use it as a learning lesson if it's really stressing you out, right? But in the end, I think focusing on what make, truly makes you happy and taking care of yourself is, don't take my advice, but for me, that is, I think, the best way to approach this type of sort of landscape that we're in. Uh, a lot of lessons to be learned, I think, for all of us. But ultimately, health and happiness is the most important thing. And I hope you're taking care of yourself. If, if you, uh, you know, if you want to drop some comments and you want to talk to other folks, please do so. I'm on Twitter as as well. Um, if you want to follow me there, but yeah, just just take care of yourself and try to do things that make you happy and focus on your health. This is the perfect time for all of us to be introspective and to really try to build ourselves in a way so that we can survive this moment and then have a better future, right? So thank you all very much. Mwah. I appreciate you all very much. Tomorrow I'll be back. And then this weekend I'll be in Georgia visiting some friends. So tomorrow will be my last video for the week. And then I'll return back, maybe not Monday, but definitely Tuesday. Okay, everybody. Thank you very much. Love you guys. Mwah. Take it easy. And, and broadcast.